All right, we're back for hour number two. Love to hear from you this hour. You can reach us at 244-1777 is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. Because you don't have to let me hog all the questions for Eric Davis this morning. Let's give a nice uh, warm radio remote welcome this morning to the retired Middlebury political science professor and one-time dean at uh, Middlebury College. Good morning, Eric. How are you today? Good morning, Mark. Fine. Nice morning today. Yeah, boy, it has been a sweet week, hasn't it? Yep. And not as though we didn't deserve it or anything. No, not I mean, my goodness. Is this Sanders for President campaign just going to be one of those uh, educational campaigns that we hear about? Well, my sense, Mark, of, of Bernie Sanders' campaign is that uh, he'll concentrate on four early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. And if, if Hillary Clinton falters in those four states, either because of what Bernie says or for other reasons, uh, my view is there are likely to be other Democratic candidates entering the race by the time the big states start holding primaries and caucuses in, in March, April, May. Uh, so I would say a question for me, Mark, is uh, how viable will Bernie Sanders' campaign be after the Vermont primary, which is town meeting day, which I believe is March 1st next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he says he, he he's, has a goal of raising about $50 million. And, and in my view, that's that's certainly enough to be competitive in the four early states. But, you know, one, once it gets to the big states and you start having multiple contests each week, then it becomes a lot more difficult for him, especially if Hillary Clinton ends up winning all four of the early states. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like what he really needs to have happen is that Hillary Clinton does well enough to scare away other competitors, but not well enough that maybe he can kind of sneak in somehow. Well, I, I just don't see. I mean, again, I don't want to say that anyone has no chance of winning, uh, of winning a race at all. You know, I, I got burned with that one on Scott Milne last fall, so I need to be careful on, on, on how I, I phrase this. But I think the circumstances in which Bernie Sanders could win the Democratic nomination are, are quite implausible. If the presidency were being contested only in Vermont, in Massachusetts, and in Northern California, he might very well win. But there are 47 other states, or 47 and a half other states, in addition to those. So, uh, um, you know, I, I just don't see a huge amount of space to the left of Hillary Clinton for for Bernie Sanders to to uh, win the Democratic nomination. Mm-hmm. That Milne, that Milne election will, will stay with you and me for a while, won't it? Yes, it will. It will. All right. So, let, okay, let's let's then talk about what's sort of more reality here. Can he really make any difference in this race? Can he actually make it make it influence Hillary Clinton somehow? Well, I think I think the most important thing for Bernie Sanders is that there be a fairly large number of debates, and that he get the chance to articulate his positions before a a radio and TV audience and try and push Hillary Clinton a little bit to the left. Now, it is interesting, a number of the statements Hillary Clinton has made in recent days indicate that she, I think, is going to run more as a center-left candidate than as a centrist candidate, which she did in 2008 and which her husband did in the 90s, Mm -hmm. uh, both on economic affairs and on some other things. I mean, she came out with a with uh, uh, some statements on the economy that that uh, are, are somewhat different from from things she said in 08, and certainly different from some of the policies that that Bill Clinton was associated with. Uh, she came out in favor of a path to citizenship for illegal immigrants the other day. 
Uh, I think she's trying to distinguish herself from Obama on foreign policy. That may be more difficult for her, but she seems to be trying to do it. So I'm not sure, as I said, how much room there is really going to be for Bernie Sanders on her left. Where Sanders might be most effective might also be where he's most reluctant to go. Uh, because my sense is Hillary Clinton is vulnerable, not so much on policy, but on the, the questions of ethics and transparency and the emails and the Clinton Foundation and the donations and so forth. There was a poll, um, I believe it was CBS News, New York Times, that came out a few days ago uh, that said a, a, a slight majority of Americans do not view her as honest, honest and trustworthy. Now, Bernie has said he's never run a negative campaign in his life, and that, and that is true. But... You can talk about campaign finance and ethics and donations and so forth without being negative. And I'll be interested to see whether he, he starts making those arguments more explicitly focused on Hillary than just general things about corporate influence on the political system through campaign fund, funding and so forth. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, for example, she's now opposing this trans-Pacific trade deal. But, you know, trade deals are not going to be what people want to hear these two talking about. No, no. I mean, I, I think I think people want more of an explanation from her about, okay, there's, there's the stuff in the past, but going forward, what is the role of the Clinton Foundation going to be through the campaign and if she's elected, if she were in the White House? What is Bill's role going to be? Mm-hmm. Is he going to continue making speeches for half a million dollars a pop mm-hmm. before, before well-heeled interests, both domestic and international? Those are the sort of things I think voters want to hear about, as well as more about the email and why she never used the State Department service but used her own. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, you think there's any chance Elizabeth Warren, the Massachusetts senator, runs? Only if Hillary Clinton does weekly in some of these early states. I mean, if if if, if Hillary were to, were to be weak in New Hampshire and 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 weak in Iowa, then Elizabeth Warren might come in. But there's others who might come in too. You know, Joe Biden might come in. Um, you know, there's Michael Bloomberg who has a huge amount of money available. He might decide to to start a presidential race. There are other people who who might get involved as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So how do you, would you, if you were advising the Sanders campaign, would you tell Bernie to um, go there with Hillary Clinton? What I would tell Bernie is spend a lot of time in these four early states and be a little bit more explicit making the connections between his general critique of corporate influence in American public policy and the patent of contributions to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. And you And you think he can do that? effectively without it being negative yeah without it i mean and he can say he can say the things he's already said about her he said he's overlapped with her for a few years in the senate he worked with her on a number of issues uh she knows public policy he doesn't agree with her and everything but she's a hard worker she's knowledgeable she's articulate he can say all those things but he can also say that she epitomizes a system that relies heavily on donations from corporate interests and wealthy individuals for political campaigns. Mm -hmm. We're talking with uh, political analyst Eric Davis. You can join us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And toll-free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. If you're Hillary Clinton, do you just ignore Bernie Sanders? Basically, I think Hillary Clinton just continues doing what she's doing, which is you know, she's running almost a sort of incumbents campaign. You don't hold very many press conferences. When you have events, they're highly controlled and scripted. 
uh, you know, do these little coffee shop meetings and things like that rather than big public events. Rely a lot on advertising, and plus, she'll have a very, a very well-funded field organization that will do a lot of work on voter identification and turnout. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just never seems, though, Eric, that the front runner is able to hang on. Well, not well. I mean, in, I think that it's actually somewhat more likely on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, if you look the last several cycles. Um, you know, Obama was not the front runner. Certainly, in '08, it was the last time there was an open race. Yeah. Uh, I think I think in 2004, John Kerry emerged just sort of during the campaign. Uh, so the last time you really have a, a front runner was when uh, Al Gore won the presidential nomination as the sitting vice president yeah. in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's fair. Uh, let's talk about the Republican side here for a moment. Sure. There, there could be as many as uh, 20 candidates. Yep. Yeah, and my guess is that the number will stay high through those four early states, but then in early March it will start rapidly winnowing. Okay. Who do you see is potentially doing well here? Well, again, you know, a lot can happen between now and, and, and when voters actually go to the polls. I would say at this point, and this is this is the conventional wisdom I will I will acknowledge, that one of the group of Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, and Marco Rubio seem to be the best positioned to end up as the eventual Republican nominee. I think, I mean, all of them, I think, are are politically experienced people, Bush a, a bit more than the others. Um, I think, you know, they appeal to different wings of the Republican Party, but I think the three of them are most likely to be in a situation where they're least likely to be people who would not be supported under any circumstances. I mean, there are some Republicans who would never vote for Ben Carson or or Ted Cruz Mm -hmm. or Rand Paul, for example. Right, right, yeah. Who is Hillary Rodham Clinton's biggest challenger, do you think, if it's not if it's not Bernie Sanders? If, if it's not Bernie, I, I think it's 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 the press if she if she lets them and if the press is aggressive. Okay. Do you have any have any well, doubt I mean, they will be? I mean there's this Clinton cash book that was just published this week and the New York Times ran some stories developing it further last week. If the if the press really begins looking seriously not just at Hillary's contributions and, and the Clinton Foundation, but some of her policies over time uh, in her record as Secretary of State, I, I think, you know, she has to be more explicit in, in defending her record. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, what you've just described here is, I think, a prospect that many people see and that I think many people are just amazed that we live in a country of 350 million people and we're going to have another Clinton-Bush race. You, you could, that could very well be the scenario. That could very well be the scenario. Don't and that's and that's one of that's I mean not so much with Hillary because the opponents aren't there but I think that's one of Jeb Bush's biggest problems that that um, you know he, 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 he I think you know you have the dynastic question but you also have you know is he someone who looks more to the past and might a slightly younger candidate like like Rubio or or Scott Walker be better positioned especially if Hillary ends up as the Democratic nominee. And, you know, she'd be on the 70, and, and both of those other two, Walker and, and Rubio, are closer to 50. Mm-hmm. Right. And my goodness, I don't know how much you read about these super PACs, but, you know, we have just got a system that is just awful. These... Well, and it's, 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 oh. it's out of control nationally, and one of the things I find most disturbing, Mark, is it's starting to creep into Vermont in various ways, too. 
Um, you know, it's it, it's certainly not not to the extent that we that we see nationally. Uh, but I, I think there's you know there's in legislative races, for example, there's some outside money that came in last year. We'll likely see that again next year. Uh, both party all both both um, parties rely heavily on PAC and lobbyist support to to run their legislative campaigns locally. So I think that there are some reasons to be concerned here in Vermont. Plus, and the stories about Sorrell that have come out in the last few days certainly raised this one. I think Vermont is behind the pack now in terms of other states, in terms of the the quality of disclosure that candidates are required to make, the speed of disclosure, and the accessibility of that information to the press and the public. Mm-hmm. But on the national level, these super PACs, I mean, there's not even a... There's not even a, a an attempt to kind of fake being independent from the candidate. Anymore. No, and and I mean there was a story in the New York Times today that uh, Hillary is working now with some Democratic leaning super PACs, and you know, again that's going to be interesting to see. I mean Bernie says he can raise fifty million, and I think he's realistic there. I think there are two million people in a, in a country of three hundred million who give Bernie Sanders an average of twenty five dollars each. But, you know, $25 contributions don't go very far when your opponent is getting super PAC contributions of 250000 or $2.5 Yeah, yeah. What's your impression of this Bill Sorrell story? <laughs> My sense of it now, I did not hear, I know you had both Bill Sorrell and Brady Tenzing on your show uh, in the last few days. My My view of this is that uh, Tenzing, although he is a partisan official and obviously has partisan access to grind, uh, his complaint is meritorious. Indeed, I, I, I did read his complaint. Uh, it, it, it's available online. And much of what he says in that, camp, in that complaint is simply putting legal language and statutory references and so forth around uh, material that's been publicly reported in the press, especially stories that Paul Heinz has published in, in seven days. So yeah. I think, that, I think the, the concerns are, are very meritorious, uh, both about the 2012 campaign, the question of, of coordination with the Democratic Attorney General's Association and uh, the Howard Dean ads in the, in the primary against T.J. Donovan. And then in the 2014 cycle, there's questions about the, the adequacy and timeliness of reporting. Uh, there's an event which, which Sorrell did with, ironically, with Dean Corrin uh, that seems to have been supported with public resources that was really a political event. And there's the questions that Heinz raised in an article about so-called pay-to-play uh, campaign contributions from a law firm in Texas that was later engaged by the state to to file suit on, on regarding a gasoline additive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so I think they're all legitimate questions, and, and they deserve to be investigated by someone who is independent of the AG's office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually uh, was remiss the other day in my discussion with the attorney general. I I did not um, do a good enough job mentioning the uh, the reporting that Paul Heinz has done at Seven Days. He's really been the lead on this story. Exactly, exactly. And and most of what he has reported, I mean, it's digging in the Secretary of State's office. It's digging that takes time and and sort of connecting the dots, and so to speak. But the information is there. It's just it's it it requires. Uh, extra effort to get to it because it's not necessarily easily available. Any uh, observations on the legislative session? Well, you know, there's, t- there's 10 days to go, so we'll know more, I mean, assuming that, that adjournment will come at the end of next week. Um, I, I think it's turning into a somewhat disappointing session. Uh, now, again, we'll see, we'll see what the final product is, but 
um, on on budget issues, tax issues, education, finance issues. I think we're going to have sort of a, a whimper rather than a, than big changes. Uh, uh, I don't think the education finance bill, which seems to get whittled down in the Senate the more it stays there, uh, is going to do very much in terms of responding to public concerns about high property taxes. And on the tax and budget, uh, the legislature seems unwilling to really engage in a fundamental examination of state spending trends, which continue to grow faster than the economy, and there doesn't seem to be any serious examination of structural changes on the spending side or structural changes on the tax side. Again, there was that Blue Ribbon Tax Commission that reported now three or four years ago. Jeff Smith supports some of the directions they wanted to go in terms of fundamental tax reform, but I think he's having a hard time convincing rank-and-file members that, that that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's going to be, as you describe it, a disappointing session? Um, I think in, in part, I mean, the advocates are very good at sort of defending their own little pieces of the of the state budget. And in the education community, the various organizations, they obviously don't agree on everything, but I think the, the uh, school boards and the NEA have made their, their voices heard quite loudly, especially in the Senate. And then I think there's a structural thing with the Senate, too. I mean, I think I think the... Education, finance, and governance bill the House passed was was basically a good bill, and it's getting it's getting weakened in the Senate. And the reason is, Mark, I believe that uh, in the in the Senate, every one of the thirty senators has some small school districts in his or her constituency. You know, even the ones in Chittenden County, where most of the schools are large, there's still a few small schools. And the senators, because they represent constituencies that are large and and a whole county, they all have some small schools in there and small towns in their district and they're are responsive to the concerns of those voters. I mean, how much have we heard about one town in Bennington County, Reedsboro, over the last week? <laughs> right. Yeah. Whereas the <laughs> yeah. House members, yeah. since their districts are smaller, more of them come from the large towns. If you look at, you know, yet not just Chittenden County, but the other larger communities in the state, like Rutland and Montpelier and Barrie and Bennington and Brattleboro and some of the other larger communities, you get close to half the members of the House who represent larger communities where the concerns about closing schools and consolidation are, are really less acute. Mm-hmm. Let me take a call from uh, Burlington. Rick, good morning. Yeah, hi. I just wanted to ask a call of Professor Davis about uh, the idea that people might enter the race after the first few primaries. Is there any I mean, given the level of money you need to raise and the organization you need to develop, I, I don't remember any example in the last five presidential cycles of a candidate entering into the nomination race after the first few primaries. So I'm just curious about that point that he made. Yeah, yeah The last one I go point. back to that's is Bobby Kennedy. And, and that's certainly historically correct. I just think, though, because on the Democratic side this year, you know, so has been on Hillary Clinton. If it turns out, when real voters make their decisions in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, you know, she runs consistently. You know, let's let's assume that that in addition to Bernie, a few other Democrats may get involved in the race. Maybe Jim Webb or Lincoln Chafee or Martin O'Malley. And you know, let's imagine a scenario in which these four other Democrats collectively each got ten to fifteen percent of the vote and held Hillary below fifty. You know. I mean, say say she runs somewhere forty five to fifty percent. I'm not saying this is this is likely to happen, but it's not implausible. 
that the other candidates get 10 to 15 percent each. Hillary is right around or slightly below 50. Is the Democratic Party willing to have her as the nominee? Mm-hmm. If she ends up winning these four early states with you know, 65 to 70 percent of the vote, the other candidates getting, you know, on average less than 10 percent each, then I think she's she's in very strong shape and there wouldn't be any other candidates. But I think she has to she has to be above 50 in all four of those early states. Mm hmm. Or there might be that big draft Joe Biden movement. Yeah, Joe Biden. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Can you, can you, I, I just don't see I that mean, happening, do you? Well, I mean, he has his liabilities, too. Yeah, yeah. So Bernie says he thinks he can win. I, you know, and I know you've got to talk, you know, you got right. to talk, you know, tough and have a little swag, right? Or Otherwise, yeah. what's the point in getting and, up you in know, the morning? I mean, you know, Bernie has been in hopeless races before. So, you know, you shouldn't write him off entirely. But as I said at the beginning, I think running nationally... It's a very different electorate than he's used to here in Vermont and that exists in other strongly Democratic places like Massachusetts or, or Northern California. All right. So if you're him, mm-hmm. realistically, you know, let's say let's say that he knows deep down what you're saying, that this is a yeah. very difficult race to win, probably not going to win. So, so what do you actually try to accomplish in those first four states? Uh, you try and educate the voters and uh, about the issues that, that matter most to you and try and get commitments from Hillary Clinton on those issues and uh, get other Democrats, members of Congress in particular, to commit to acting on those issues if they're in the position to do so as, as the majority in, either the, in, in the Senate next year. Mm-hmm. So maybe Hillary Clinton neutralizes him by asking him to become his vice presidential. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think of the other people. I think Martin O'Malley is probably running to be Hillary Clinton's running mate. But I, I think, you know, the, the recent events in Baltimore are going to make that difficult for him because he was mayor of Baltimore before he was governor of Maryland. Yeah, yeah I know. That's going to be a lot of ink um, talking yeah. about his tenure there, which is not really what he probably wanted people right. talking about. Hmm. Um, thank you for your time, as always. I appreciate it. You are it. most welcome, Mark. And have a uh, have a great uh, summer if I don't talk to you soon. You too. Okay. Eric, okay, Eric, Eric Davis is a uh, retired political science professor from Middlebury College. He's uh, been a part of this program and a contributor for, um, wow, decades. And I appreciate his uh, thoughts and comments. I appreciate your thoughts and comments, too. Love to have you join us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And you can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Hey, uh, it's Thursday. You know what that means. It's almost Friday. But it also means that it's Bacon Thursday night down at Nutty Staffs. So maybe you want to you know, advance the weekend just a hair, and you could do that by going on down to uh, the middle ground this evening and seeing Nutty Steph and the rest of the uh, fun folks that will be there having fun. So, you know, I mean, if you're against having fun, then don't go. If you're somebody that actually likes to do fun things in your life, this might be a golden opportunity for you to do that this evening. Music, all sorts of great food, some nice uh, beverages, Plenty for the kids to drink, too. Some nice chocolate drinks, some nice soda drinks. Also, they have a nice collection of international beers there. But a wide variety of bacon and also items that you could be putting the bacon into, including maple syrup, some chocolate, a few other things. But it's really about the camaraderie. It's about the company. It's about the fun. So stop on down there and make it this evening. 
nutty stuffs where of course you can pick up chocolate any day of the week and uh, also some granola too and it's just a really great spot the uh, the chocolatiers at the middle ground check it out at nutty stuffs right off of interstate 89 exit nine and that's in middlesex oh we love our friends at talk radio news service and their flexibility ellen ratner uh, the flexibility of gumby this morning joining us uh, after our interview with eric davis good morning ellen ratner good morning we aim to be flexible now just wish congress and particularly the senate could be flexible and we'd have it made Ooh, all right so what's why are they what is causing the inflexibility okay well the inflexibility is a couple things trade promotion uh, you basically have bernie sanders and and Elizabeth Warren on one side. You have the Republicans and a few Democrats on another side. President is with the Republicans and the few Democrats on that one. Then the issue is immigration and what you do you do with what's called the Dreamers. These are not legal immigrants. These are people uh, whose parents brought them to this country before they were 16 years old. They most of them think of themselves as Americans. Should they be allowed to join the armed services? That's certainly a question that they want wow. put in, that the Republicans particularly want. Service academies take people from foreign countries. We do this as a service to some of these foreign countries, and we train them. So why not let dreamers come into the armed services? That's my view, mm. and I'm sure it's Bernie's view. Mm. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I was asked on Fox on Saturday about Bernie Sanders, and somebody said he was just doing this for ego. I said, you guys don't know Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that, that's not his motivation. That is definitely not his motivation. Um, so uh, that's what I said about Senator Sanders. A couple other interesting things in the news. Um, so uh, there has now been a Department of State independent uh, or inspector general. She's saying that private servers are not okay at the State Department. It is in <laughs> violation of the Presidential Records Act. Yeah, hello. Uh, another person testified yesterday from the press saying that freedom of information is slow mowing it or totally like not even responding to freedom of information requests from the press. Mm -hmm. Well, what a surprise, huh? Uh, what a big surprise. I'm about to file one myself, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, now, there is also this scandal about Pentagon credit cards. Now, most people don't realize when you have a government credit card, you're responsible for paying that bill every month. You bill the government for the charges that are appropriate. But it is still against the law for you to put anything personal on that credit card, even though the government doesn't pay that directly. And I know some people that have gotten in some big trouble for that. Well, now it looks like some of the government credit cards have been used to you know, charge some liquor, maybe some women, that kind of thing, on the credit card. Probably not to escape the government, but to escape prying spouses' eyes. And so now the question is, is it illegal and why? Well, it is illegal, but why are people charging this kind of thing? Various inspector generals from various departments are not happy campers on that. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I know it's not funny, but it is. I know. Yeah. I mean, what else can you come up with, right? Yeah, really. All right. Hmm. 
Anything else you want to mention? Uh, well, yeah, uh, I think there is now some uh, question about uh, Baltimore and whether there's going to be a federal investigation on that. Uh, Britain does vote today, as you know, Netanyahu yeah. didn't manage at the last minute to put forth a government, very right wing, uh, in Israel. But we don't know what Britain's going to wind up doing. We'll have to see what happens with the vote today. Okay. So what, any, any thoughts on the British election? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, well, I, I, I don't think Labor is going to do terribly well, and I think it is going to go very, with a very conservative government. That's yeah. what I think. Now, it was interesting. I was listening to a report this morning, and they said it, usually there's a pretty good indication, and there's just nobody seems to really have a clue on this one. Right. Yeah. Unusual. Um, and that's and that's you know because a lot of I guess they don't do as much polling or whatever, uh, or if people don't tell the truth to pollsters, which is not a new phenomenon. Right. Yeah. We certainly have that problem in this country too. For sure. Uh, have you heard from Bob Nay? I did hear from Bob Nay. He's very safe. New Delhi got some aftershocks. It seems like from that uh, big earthquake. Wow. Uh, but. Even though he's sort of at the foothills of that in Dharmasala, India, they didn't get any problems. Go figure. Mm, wow, I didn't. You know, I didn't even think of uh, how close that was. Huh. He'll be back in just about two weeks. Okay. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate Thank you. it. Ellen Ratner runs Talk Radio News Service out of Washington D.C. They also have an office at the United Nations too. You can join us. Love to hear from you. Two four four. Maybe you have some thoughts, comments on what Eric Davis had to say this morning. Maybe. Some thoughts and comments on our, um, I think, our very thoughtful first guest. I really enjoyed talking with uh, Michael Haney. 244-1777, that's our local number in central Vermont. Toll-free 877-291-8255. I mean, you may have been saying to yourself, Mark, you're having this guy on to talk about a book club. Why did you keep him on so long? I like talking to interesting people. That's one of the reasons I get up in the morning. And hope you do, too. All right, we'll take a short commercial break, and we'll be back right after these important announcements. Kevin Harvick hasn't given up yet, but the leader is Jeff Gordon. The NASCAR Sprint Cup Series is on the Motor Racing Network. Harvick makes one last run, but it is Jeff Gordon. He wins at Kansas Speedway. Join MRN for the SpongeBob SquarePants 400, live from Kansas Speedway. Listen Saturday at 6.30 p.m. on the Motor Racing Network. The voice of NASCAR. Join us Saturday at 6.30 for the SpongeBob SquarePants 400 at Kansas Motor Speedway only on WDEV. Looking for a loan for your Vermont business, child care, or nonprofit organization? Look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Because at the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we lend to Vermont businesses and nonprofits, even if the bank says you're not quite ready for a loan. At the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we focus on people, not profits. We'll work closely with you before and after you get your loan to make sure you get what you need to succeed. The Vermont Community Loan Fund makes loans to early stage companies and established businesses ready to take the next step. We lend to farms and food producers, high-tech businesses, manufacturers, retailers, childcare businesses, affordable housing developers, service providers, and other nonprofit organizations. We make loans to Vermonters doing business right here at home and around the world. So if you're looking for financing to help your growing business, look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Visit us online at investinvermont.org. That's investinvermont.org. 
When I first started in the car business, customers would complain that buying a used car was too much work. They could look in the paper, but even today, some dealers ask more for a used car than they do for a new one. They could drive all over town to find a car, then track down a salesperson to get a price, or today you can go online, but many dealers require you to enter your personal information to get a quote for their special internet price. Well, at MidState, we set out to change all that. Our used car department has been chosen as the best place to buy a used car for two years in a row. It really is simple. We clearly mark the price on every car, or you can go online at midstatedodge.com where you'll find the price, several pictures, and Carfax vehicle history reports for every car. Now, here's the best part. We employ state-of-the-art software to compare our prices to other dealers in real time and adjust them constantly to ensure our prices are not just competitive, but some of the best prices available. Come experience the difference. If you don't have the best overall experience, make sure you ask for me, Mitchell J., or my daughter, Jessica. We're in the store every day or online at midstatedodge.com. Thanks and love you, Mom. No better way to say it than with a Ben & Jerry's ice cream cake. Imagine your mom's delight and surprise when she receives a cake made just for her out of her two favorite Ben & Jerry's ice cream flavors topped off with your message of appreciation written in hot fudge. It's the perfect way to let her know how much you care. And since she's your mom, you know she'll share. Custom orders taken until May 8th. Can't decide? Staff picks available daily. Call 882-2034 or find us on Facebook. Mention WDEV and receive $4 off your Mom's Day ice cream cake order. Love you, Mom. And you can join up with WDEV this Saturday, May the 9th, for Customer Appreciation Day and the tent sale of Vermont Tire and Service. We'll be broadcasting live from 9 until noontime, serving up some free McKenzie hot dogs and soda. All tires will be on sale, some much less than wholesale. Check out the bargains both inside and outside under the tent. Stop by so the kids can enjoy games and giveaways, and you can sign up to win over $1,000 in prizes. All part of Vermont Tire's second annual Customer Appreciation Day and Tent Sale right there on River Street in Montpelier. Programming notes for you tomorrow. I'll be back down at the State House in Montpelier. On Monday, the uh, Labor Commissioner, Annie Noonan, will join us right at 9.05 to begin the week. We've had a pretty robust discussion this week on the program about some audits that have been conducted for uh, uh, actually quite some time now by the Department of Labor, looking in particular at this question of whether businesses have been properly uh, uh, documenting people that do work for them as employees or as independent contractors. And I would dare say we have heard from a number of you uh, who feel as though the Department of Labor is really being very heavy-handed in this and is uh, misinterpreting the uh, the rules. 244-1777, that's our local number in central Vermont. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. Hey, don't get caught uh, not uh, remembering Mother's Day just because it seems like it's a little bit earlier this year than in most years. I think that's probably because the first was last Friday. Uh, but we would encourage you very much, uh, remember mom because you know what? She remembers you. And uh, being a mom is really not all sun and roses, but on that day, it can be. You, uh, If you want to stop down and see our friends down at the Middle Ground Florist, right down there next to Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. You know, just going down there, just the, the, the smells and the, uh, the wonderful uh, selection that you'll see there. It's just a great experience going to the actual store itself. Uh, you, you will meet uh, Yana, who runs the business down there. She works pretty hard. So uh, stop in down there. You can see uh, the selection right there on uh, site. 
You can also shop online. Isn't it just so easy how the world is these days? If you go to their website, middlegroundvt.com, it's all together, middlegroundvt.com. You can also call Yana if you want to make, um, you know, if you're still using a telephone these days, you can call her at 870-0991, 870-0991. And again, the actual flower shop is right next door to Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. She's open, to nine, open from 9 to 6 this uh, week and also will be open this weekend. And she is offering delivery in central Vermont and really reasonable prices on, on the delivery. I can tell you that much. Uh, so stop on in or you can also go to the website or you can give her a jingle on the phone. Let me just give you that information again. Middlegroundvt.com is the website. 870-0991 is the phone number, and they're located right next door to Red Hen Cafe and Bakery. Let's head over to Williamstown. Good morning, Rama. Yeah, good morning, Mark. Hey, listen, I want to go back to something that Eric Davis was saying, and it had to do with uh, school boards and how they spoke up in relation to the uh, current uh, attempts at school governance and, and finances. And teachers, and, too. Yeah. And, well, and I just... <laughs> I, I read and, and I listen to people, and there tends to be this discussion that there's this uh, un- there's this block of like-minded people on school boards. And the truth is, I have over the years I've been on the school board, I I have talked to and listened to people literally from all across the state of Vermont from different school boards. I've spent several years on the Vermont School Boards Association, and I can state beyond a shadow of a doubt and as a factual statement that the uh, school boards, school board members, are not some like-minded block of thinkers. And actually, when it comes to things like consolidation and finances, there's a wide variety of opinions and thoughts out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, the truth is that... Uh, yeah, they, they heard from, you know, the committees heard from school board members, but they heard from school board members on various sides of the circle, which actually makes up because it's not just one side or the other when it comes to consolidation or finances. Do you think his, do you think his comments fair that this bill's pretty weak tea and that it's getting whittled down every day? Uh, not, well, and if, if you look at it from the historical context, I don't think that's an entirely accurate, although I, I do believe that from what started in the House, it may appear to be whittled down and, and uh, rather generic. But the House has generally favored consolidation of districts as a mandated thing. The Senate has taken, they have said, well, we won't consolidate districts, but what we'll do is move more and more authorities up to the supervisory union level. So the House has has come out and said, we want to consolidate you. The Senate does this backdoor consolidation move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, to me, it's not entirely surprising. I, I My biggest disappointment is that they're going to come out of this year with no firm handle on what the state level policy is going to be and that's going to be very rough on your local school districts period and that's the worst thing that they could do thank you for your call let's go to newberry good morning fred uh yeah it's interesting because i think that uh 12 consecutive years of one party running the white house is a probability that the democrats can't overcome hmm all right 
right? Why? You no. Know, well, I mean, you know, 12 years of Democratic rule, I just, you know, it just seems like we, that the people out here need a change. Okay. They just need a change. And then, you know, uh, Clinton, you know, the, the, personally, uh, I call Hillary the, uh, the uh, uh, she's a uh, naughty lady from Shady Lane, and I don't think she's going she's gonna to amount to much. I really don't. So you're saying 12 years if she were elected? Yeah, if she were elected. That's right. I mean, any 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 Democrat. I mean, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of Democrats out there that, that are going to challenge her. I would imagine. Okay. And so I don't think that uh, she's gonna she's gonna have her hands full. She's gonna have her hands full. I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Democrat would do it. Uh, Bernie Bernie possibly could uh, give her a hard time in New Hampshire because he. He's known. He's like a, you know, he's a, like a, almost like a local guy. And a lot of the undeclared voters of New Hampshire could vote for Bernie just to get, just to get rid of, uh, just to get rid of uh, uh, Hillary. And not, not just knock her out of the New Hampshire primary as mm-hmm. a winner. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually it's interesting. I remember last time she, uh, that was sort of her big comeback spot, but it didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't hold, but. Yeah, I don't think it's going to hold again either. I don't think she. I think there's a good probability she'll get knocked out because because there's so many uh, undeclared uh, voters and the undeclared uh, Republicans. I think will try to knock her out. Yeah, but I don't know who they're going to rally around. There isn't well, they really that. They don't have to rally around anybody. What they what they want to do is they say, "Hey, I don't care about I don't care about the general election." Is a is a is a Republican or undeclared? I want to get rid of Hillary Clinton, so I'm going to, you know, roll the dice so that I can get rid of Hillary Clinton or make it difficult for her and take my chances otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks for your call. I appreciate okay. it. Two four four seventeen seventy seven. Toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Yes. I mean Bush two thousand to two thousand and eight, and Obama. So. What I think he was referring to is 12 years if Hillary Clinton were elected. A uh, moment of your time for our friends at Green Mountain Access. Wouldn't you like to have a great local Internet service provider? Yes, you would. You keep your money right here at home. You might employ a person or two in the process, maybe even one of your neighbors. And you have a cool gmavt.net email address. You can give them a call today at one triple eight three two one zero eight one five. One of the um, real hallmarks of this company I have found, and I really haven't had that many technical questions, but you know sometimes you do, and sometimes uh, you want to really talk to somebody that isn't going to treat you like you're a moron or think that your question's silly. I've never had that happen with the folks at Green Mountain Access. I've even asked them about questions that are sort of really kind of outside of their bailiwick, you know, outside of the actual service they provide, just figuring they might know, and really helpful people. they got a great tech support team, and, and it's not going to be this, one of these places that, like, you know, the, the healthcare website that you're on hold forever. One of the cool things that they instituted years ago, and I think it's a really good idea, they have this system where if they do get backed up on calls, you can leave a message and they actually call you back. It's, you know, a really smart way to do things. And that way you're not just sitting there fuming on the phone. So uh, give them a call today at one 321 They really do all the hard work for you on this. So uh, we encourage you to give them a call and then you can just sit back and they'll make it magically happen for you. 
Again, you can reach them at one 321 and on the web at gmavt.net. We'll take a short commercial break. Back after these important announcements. When I first started in the car business, customers would complain that buying a used car was too much work. They could look in the paper, but even today, some dealers ask more for a used car than they do for a new one. They could drive all over town to find a car, then track down a salesperson to get a price. Or today, you can go online, but many dealers require you to enter your personal information to get a quote for their special internet price. Well, at MidState, we set out to change all that. Our used car department has been chosen as the best place to buy a used car for two years in a row. It really is simple. We clearly mark the price on every car, or you can go online at midstatedodge.com where you'll find the price, several pictures, and Carfax vehicle history reports for every car. Now here's the best part. We employ state-of-the-art software to compare our prices to other dealers in real time and adjust them constantly to ensure our prices are not just competitive, but some of the best prices available. Come experience the difference. If you don't have the best overall experience, make sure you ask for me, Mitchell J, or my daughter Jessica. We're in the store every day or online at midstatedodge.com. Tired of grocery shopping at huge supermarkets with no personality? This is Tom Mihiran, and I invite you to shop our well-stocked right-sized family market in Waitsfield. Custom-cut meats, fresh seafood and produce, gourmet cheeses, regular and organic groceries, and over a thousand wines. Come and see Jeff and Bill in the meat department, Tana and Produce, Gary and Seafood, Nate in the deli, or Nancy and Liz in our incredible wine department. Family run for over 70 years. Mahiran Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center in Waitsfield. Auto Craftsman, this side of Montpelier, has made getting your vehicle serviced or repaired an easy and comforting experience. If you want to hang out, their waiting room is the most comfortable in Vermont. They have very comfy seating, a glowing wood stove, ergonomically correct work desk with Wi-Fi, and a large variety of hot beverages and snacks for your enjoyment. If you can't wait around, they have a shuttle service and five loaner cars. If you want fabulous customer service and want your vehicle worked on by their two AS certified master technicians, then give Auto Craftsman a call at 223-2253. Ask their customer service rep, Erica, about the Car Care Club. Find out how their clients are only paying 4 and $5 for an oil change and getting over $200 in discounts on other services and repairs. Don't delay. Call Auto Craftsman at 223-2253 or go to their website, autocraftsman.com. Coming up on the program tomorrow, I'll be down at the State House in Montpelier. Among the guests that will be joining us, uh, the Speaker, Shap Smith, joins us, Governor Shumlin, and also the Senate Majority Leader, Philip Baruth. Hey, uh, this weekend, is, as you're becoming more and more aware each and every day, I'm sure, uh, Mother's Day, one really nice way to spend your Mother's Day would be to head up and see our friends in the beautiful Lake Champlain Islands at Shore Acres Inn and Restaurant, now open for the season. you got to love that. Always a good sign. And a uh, nice place to spend special holidays, places, and uh, days like Mother's Day. Because, you know, I mean, show a little class. We On Mother's Day, you really don't want your mom slaving away over you like she has basically her whole life. You know, give her a break and take her out for brunch or a nice uh, early uh, dinner as well, too. They're pretty much open all day at Shore Acres Inn Restaurant. Uh, it is one of those days that you might consider making reservations, so please do and give them a call. And you might want to do that today at 
372-8722. If you can't remember that number or you're driving and you can't write it down, you can go always go to their website, shoreacres.com, and the number's right there. If you go to that website, too, you'll see just how beautiful this uh, facility is. It's a real resort right here in Vermont. It's also a great place if you have friends and relatives that are coming to town for any time uh, during the summer here. If you put them up at Shore Acres Inn Restaurant, then you go and you visit them there. They have beautiful tennis courts right on the facility, golf right around the corner, swimming in the sixth largest freshwater pool in the United States of America after the five Great Lakes. Because, of course, Lake Champlain, mm, is it or isn't it one of them? But uh, give the folks at Shore Acres a call. A uh, really great spot in North Hero, Vermont. You'll love it. And uh, give them a call at 372-8722. And you can also get a lot more information about them online at shoreacres.com. And it is a great place for you to go for Mother's Day. And it's one of those things you can make that decision today. It isn't something you needed to have planned four or five months ago. 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. Toll-free 877-291-8255. As I mentioned, coming up Monday on the program, we'll talk with the Labor Commissioner, Annie Noonan, will join us here in our studios to talk about the efforts on the part of the Department of Labor, these audits that are being done of uh, contractors and others who are uh, having questions raised about people that have worked have provided services for them and whether they are employees who should be subject to workers' compensation and unemployment insurance or whether or not they're independent contractors. One of the other areas of discussion on the program uh, this week, uh, our discussion with the Attorney General, just uh, briefly here, a couple of uh, correspondences from uh, the principals involved in this. I've received a number of emails from the Attorney General since our interview where he really has focused on this uh, charge and claim that Brady Tenzing made on the program last Friday that when the Attorney General was investigating a case involving Republican gubernatorial candidate Brian Doobie, according to Mr. Tenzing who says that he was in the room and claims that the Attorney General said to Brian Doobie that he would be quote-unquote buried in legal fees uh, the Attorney General has taken quite exception to that claim, has sent me a number of emails which uh, he says indicate a uh, sort of friendly uh, correspondence that was going on between his office and Mr. Doobie during the course of the investigation. On the other side of this, I have uh, also received um, correspondence from Brady Tenzing since our, inter- in fact, shortly after our interview uh, with uh, the Attorney General. Uh, challenging greatly his uh, the Attorney General's claim that the um, allegation involving the 2012 uh, election and whether or not he worked improperly, the Attorney General, with an outside group or an agent of his, in this case, Howard Dean. Uh, he, um, uh, Mr. Tenzing says that the Attorney General is really distorting the claim that this was, quote-unquote, somehow already investigated. Uh, let me just give you the uh, last line here of an email that he sent me. He said that the uh, General Sorrell should stop attempting to taint the process by misrepresenting the meaning of this ruling, referring to a ruling in the case, which the Attorney General said, in essence, exonerated him. But Mr. Tensing said was just really a first 
uh, brief look at the case, not one that involved taking testimony, depositions, etc. So the story continues. Let's uh, go to Shelburne. Uh, Jerry, how are you this morning? Hi, I'm good. Long time no see. <laughs> uh, I was just commenting on, the, uh, you had a speaker on there before talking about consolidation of school districts. And yeah. I guess the problem that I, I have with it, I think some people have with it, is schools, I think we feel comfortable with local control, and we've found a lot of times when things get centralized, maybe they don't always happen the way we want to. So regardless of cost, I think there's an element of people that might say, you know, we'd rather keep control of ourselves, especially since most things that government has tackled, either federal or state, have either been not 100% successful or excessively expensive, and uh, I, I can't think of anything that doesn't fit that uh, fit that description. You know, I think of Homeland Security as you're describing what you're describing. Well, I was also thinking about the website that we have in Vermont. Mm. But, uh, you know, Amazon has, uh, well, first of all, the website in Vermont only markets about 20 different policies. Uh, but, say, Amazon is marketing maybe four or 500,000 items. Mm-hmm. And they put up a website. You don't see their website crashing. I'm sure it costs a lot less money. If it had cost as much as the state of Vermont, the person that developed would probably be fired by now. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it just shows that a private group can do a lot more than uh, than sometimes uh, centralizing things. Mm-hmm. So that's my comment on that. The other one was if Hillary and Bernie end up in a primary... And you can quote me on this. As a Republican, I will be voting in the Democratic primary for Bernie. Hmm. Why? Well, first of all, I disagree with a lot of his policies, but I know what they are, and he's an honest person. All right, I'm going to leave you there. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you, too. It has been a while. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren, broadcasting from the top of Sugarbush and the flagship AM 550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. Have a great day. Come back and join us same time, same place tomorrow. News is next. AP Radio.